0: One of our church members' brother, who was in from out of town visiting her, had a massive cerebral hemorrhage and was now in Kindred Hospital. Kindred is a transitional care hospital treating chronically, critically ill patients with specialized care who require an extended stay in a hospital setting. The cerebral hemorrhage was global and left the brother in a constant seizure state, no detectable EEG pattern. In a John Hopkins newsletter from June 2013, it explains, the EEG, or electroencephalograph, measures the brain activity of the patient. Medical professionals have long accepted that a flat-line EEG indicates an irreversible coma, one of the most serious types of comas. Furthermore, a flatline EEG is often an indication that the brain is no longer alive. The brother, whom we will call Dave, was a flatline EEG. By science's estimation, an irreversible coma. His upper body was elevated in the bed, arms tethered to the side rails, eyes rolled back in his head, and on a feeding tube. The portion of his brain that controls basic bodily functions like breathing and heart was intact and working so he was not on a ventilator. The doctors said that he was brain dead with no hope of improvement. Their goal at Kindred was to get him stable enough to make the trip back to the city where he was from so he could be placed in a nursing home there. The problem was he was a very obese man, around 500 pounds. Because of his excessive weight, Kindred did not have a lift large enough to pick him up so that his bed sheets could be changed, his body could be cared for properly hygienically, and repositioned to shift his body pressure from side to side. Before the hospital could access the proper lift needed, he developed a decubitus ulcer on his hind end. Another name for decubitus wound is bedsore. When a person is restricted in their ability to change positions, Bed sores often developed on the heels, ankles, hips, and tailbone, and they can develop quickly. Bed sores can be very difficult to treat. This proved to be the case in this man's situation. The bed sore was so bad that it would not heal. Due to this condition, the healthcare system was not able to transport him, so he ended up in a prolonged care situation there at Kindred Hospital in Arlington, Texas. As a part of my regular hospital visitation, I added Dave to my rounds. I would go in to see Dave, pray over him, talk to any family who might be there in the room, then leave. It was hard to see this man in such sad shape, tethered to the bed, non-communicative, just there. People in the room would talk about him as if he was already gone. It was a really tough time of struggle for the family, especially the wife, who was displaced due to the distance from their home. The hoist they finally obtained was an A-frame chain hoist, the kind you would use to pull an engine from a car. It was just like that, but painted white. Dave was in that seizuring, immobilized state for a long time. One day, I received a call that Dave was back. Totally back. It was an outright miracle. I went to the hospital as soon as I could and went into Dave's room. There he was, sitting up in bed, talking, totally communicative and with full mental facilities back. No slurred speech or memory loss. I introduced myself to Dave and asked him what in the world was going on. How did this happen? Here's what he told me. He said that when he had the cerebral hemorrhage, it blinded him and left him paralyzed, where he could not move or speak. He was still able to hear, and he understood everything that was said in his presence. He said the entire time he was in the seizure state, he felt very cold, always cold, like he was frozen in a block of ice. He told me that when people in the room would talk about him like he was dead, he would cry out in his mind, I'm not dead, I'm alive. He said it was very stressful and disturbing for people to talk about him like he was gone. One night, he heard the voice of a woman who identified herself and told Dave there was another woman there with her in the room. She said, my friend and I work here at the hospital. We know you are so sick. We want to pray for God to heal you. And they started praying for him. He said as the two women placed their hands on his legs and began to pray, he began to feel a sensation that was a cross between electrical shock and heat. He began to feel his body again and began to warm up. He said that next morning he woke up and he was back. Folks, it was an undeniable miracle. One of his children was living far away from the Lord, not on the right path. When he came to see him at Kindred, Dave told his adult child that he surely had to see that there is a God and that he needed to turn to him. At that time, Dave said his child did not respond. I remember the day they loaded Dave up in his van and drove across the street to Arlington Memorial Hospital to show himself to the doctors who treated him when he entered the ER there at the outset of his stroke. The doctors at Kindred told Dave the doctors at Arlington Memorial did not believe what they had heard about Dave's miraculous recovery. Friend, I share this amazing story with you as a reminder. God still does miracles. Please keep in mind that I come from a very conservative Christian background where we were taught the concept Jesus did miracles and that they were always an option for God, but I had not personally seen anything of this magnitude. Since then, I've seen God do miraculous things in increasing measure, real miracles. Friend, do you believe there is a God who is here and will intervene on your behalf? Please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that we can cry out to God and He must fulfill our demand for a miracle. Miracles are like everything else in life. It's totally up to God's plan. But I want to share this with you. Here's how I approach miracles. Number one, I pray believing and leave the results up to God, but I really do pray believing. As a human being that deeply cares for people, I pray for people who are sick, wounded, hurting financially, being compressed under some weight of oppression in their lives, that God would heal them or meet whatever need they are lacking in in their lives. And I have seen God answer many of those prayers with miraculous responses. You know it says about Jesus in his hometown of Nazareth that he did not do many miracles there because of their unbelief. The first thing folks we've got to do is that believe that there is a God who's here and that God loves us and cares for us and he hears our prayers when we pray to him and we need to pray believing. In the book of James it says in chapter 5 starting in verse 13 it says, is anyone among you suffering? He should pray. Is anyone cheerful? He should sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? He should call for the elders of the church. And they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And let me stop and say right there, there's nothing magical about this anointing with oil. It's very much in the same vein as what those women did that night. For Dave, when they laid their hands on him and they touched him as they prayed for him, that human contact that says, we are here, we love you, and we care for you, and this act of obedience to say, to anoint with oil in the name of the Lord, says that we believe that God can do this miracle that we're asking for him to do. He can answer this prayer. Every answered prayer, folks, really is a miracle, But it goes on in verse 15 of James chapter 5, and it says, The prayer of faith will save the sick person, and the Lord will raise him up. If he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect. And then he gives us this example. Elijah was a human being as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the land. Then he prayed again, and the sky gave rain, and the land produced its fruit. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 reminds us that folks without faith, it is impossible to please God. So the first thing about miracles, pray believing and leave the results up to God but really pray believing that God can do what you're asking Him to do. The second thing is my prayers follow the pattern that Jesus laid out when He told us to ask, seek, and knock. And as I've said in a previous podcast, any time that God repeats something in the Bible, it lets you know it's very important. It has great significance. And this admonition for us to ask, seek, and knock is mentioned both in Matthew chapter 7, verses 7, 7 through 12, and also here in this passage in Luke chapter 11, verses 5 through 13. Luke, the doctor, he's a physician who wrote this letter, this account of Jesus's life. In chapter 5, it says, He also said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight. This is Jesus speaking and says to him, friend, lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I don't have anything to offer him. Back in that day, it was the custom, if a friend showed up, they'd been on a long journey, you should offer them something when they come to your home in the way of hospitality. Jesus said, then he will answer from inside and say, don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I have gone to bed. I can't get up to give you anything. I tell you, even though he won't get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his friend's shameless boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So this is what Jesus says. He said, so I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you, then who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. And so Jesus makes it clear that folks, we need to come to God, believe that he exists, believe that he is here for us, and ask expecting a response and for God to work things out on our behalf. I mean, we know God can heal and do miracles without your input and my input, but it sure works better if you're in, in communication with God, talking to him about what is on your mind. So pray believing and leave the results up to God. Pray with boldness. Jesus says to do that and to ask, seek, and knock, and to be persistent. Now keep in mind, we're not talking about some vain, hollow repetition as you see some who stand on a street corner and they just they pray something over and over and over until it becomes nonsense. But we're talking about a persistent ask, a persistent seek, a persistent knock. The third thing is give God time to work. Be patient. In this crazy world we live in, many aspects of, of control regarding our health care, for example, is removed from our hands, and there's nothing immediately we can do about it. But when you give a chance to make the when you're given a chance to make the call, err on the side of patience and time. We've got to give God time to work. So, dear friend, I want to ask you a question. How are you doing? As you listen to this podcast today, are you personally in need of a miracle? Physically? Financially? Emotionally? Talk to God and make your needs known. Dear friends, without going into details, I can tell you that at a point in my life, I was under such duress and being so squeezed and pressed by a situation, crying out to God for a solution praying, believing that he would bring the solution, but really wondering could it ever come to pass because it was such a vast need in my life. And folks, I'm here to tell you that one day God, through a series of miraculous interventions, answered my prayer and did it in such an amazing way that it was beyond my comprehension. And so I tell you, we've got to ask believing, how are you doing What's going on? Talk to God and make your needs known to him. Talk to him believing he is really here and he really does care. And if it's in his will to intervene with a God-sized miracle, he will. Also, ask for others you trust to pray for you. Swallow your pride and ask for help. It's hard to do. It's hard for me to do, to focus intention on myself. But folks, we've got to reach out to others and make our needs known and ask for them to go with us to God, to pray, and to ask God to intervene. We all need it. So we ask, and we leave the results up to God, and trust Him with all of our hearts, because we know that He is good and will do for us the best of all things for us. The Bible says that in Romans 8:28, "...we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to His purpose." Do you know someone that is in dire straits right now in some way and really does need God to intervene in their situation? Pray for them right now, asking God to come to their rescue. Pray believing, and with that, I bid you peace. Hey, you've been listening to Guat. Rocks, God, the world, and other things. I'm Kenny Price. I've been your host. Our mission, always advancing equilibrium in the midst of an agitated world. If you want to know all that is behind that phrase, if you'll check out our first podcast, we go into great detail on that. It'll give you a full understanding. Please help us get the word out about the podcast by rating us, click the like button, and share our podcast with others. Also, I invite you to check out our show notes where you will find hyperlinks to more information about our nonprofit organization, how you can donate to support this podcast, and information on how you can know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Until next time, I bid you peace.